morning, Freedom Center. Good to see you guys. I, is this a New Year's resolution? Like the, the, the building is full. Something bad is happening over here. Tracy, what'd you do? Everybody's gone, but everything else just looks so, so wonderfully full this morning. Good to see you guys. Um, my time was a little short because we wanted to honor some people today, but let's get in the Word. You guys ready? Open your Bibles to John chapter 17. Come on, let me see you move. We're going to talk about uh, a little bit about last week and our, our 2020 vision, and that is we talked last week how important it is for us to be heading in the same direction. Normally, when I talk about vision, I talk about this is for your family and for your marriage and for our nation, for the community and for the schools and for the, but, but really last week I said, could you just let me just selfishly say, I think it's important that we as a group of people, we as a congregation, we as followers of Jesus that meet here at, at this location to worship God, to hear his voice, to be taught his word, to, that we would move in unity. And how do we know how to go in unity if we don't know where we're going? I gave you an illustration last week that I said there's a race. It's a very important race. Those who win will go to heaven. Those who lose will go to hell. On your market set, go. People would just, they wouldn't know what to do. So if we understand where we're going, what we're doing, and how we're going to get there, it creates a whole new dynamic. So um, if you think about unity and what we've been called to, think, think about this. We are called to be one in Jesus. Everybody say one. This is probably, I think, one of the most significantly challenging commandments. And I, I'll say this to you. Loving my enemy actually, to me, is easier than being one with people of like precious faith. And you say, well, why is that? Well, my enemy, I say, I love you, but, you know, you just keep rooting for Ohio State, and, and I'll, I'll see you that one Saturday a year, and we can disagree, but I'll love you anyway, and I'll bring the, the dip um, and hopefully throw it on you when Michigan wins someday soon, you know? And, but, but my, like my, you, like I got to wrestle with me to be in unity with you. Does this make sense? Like I, it's easier to make peace with someone that you don't live with than someone you do live with. And that wasn't like on my wife. That's like you. We, we end up having to really refine what Jesus is inside of us when what isn't Jesus inside of us gets challenged by what isn't Jesus inside of each other. Somebody laughed because they're in community, right? So Jesus says this, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also, this is not Jesus praying in the garden. He's prayed for his disciples. He goes, I'm not just praying for the disciples. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. That is us. We are those who believe because of the message of the apostles. That all of them may be what? Father, just as you're in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe. There's that, that operative word, may believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. You think he's emphasizing this enough? He's used the word one multiple times. Unity, complete unity. Then, everybody say then. Then the world's going to know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. We're to be one um, in Jesus. Now, another commandment is we're to be one in love, spirit, and mind. Jesus talking now, the apostle Paul says this, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, how many of you guys know when you're being guilted into something? Therefore, if you have any encouragement from, you know, not going to hell, he's going to make an extreme point here, right? If any comfort from his love, you know, you used to be unloved by God, an alien, a stranger, destined for perdition, destruction, hellfire, brimstone. But if anything good has happened since Jesus, right? Um, if any common sharing in the spirit that brings unity, if any tenderness, any compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Like, that's a high calling. I want you guys to speak the same language. 
I want you to know what the other one knows. I want us all to, to understand where we're going and what we're doing and have it not just on like some sort of a statement we read, but something that we are, like that we're living this from the inside. You go from Jesus to the Apostle Paul to King Solomon, who says we're to be one in vision. We talked about this last week, Proverbs 29, 18. King James, uh, where there's no vision, the people perish. NIV, where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. We talked about why those sound a little bit different. And then we got into Peterson's translation. If people can't see what God's doing, well, they end up stumbling all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So we talked about, you know, the, the power of unity last week. But this week, like, unified in what? So we're going to talk specifically about the vision of this church in 2020, but I, how many guys know that vision isn't just for a year and all of a sudden God changes his mind? Like, we're in the middle of something, and we're, and we're going towards something. One of the cool things about this church is I'm, I'm the second pastor uh, since 1961. Is that nuts? Like, four years before I was born, this church existed. That pastor, Effie Burke, pastored for 33 years. We've been here 24 and change. So what are those two out of 33 plus 24? is like more than 12, right? It's a long, long time. If it's more than 20, i got to take off my shoes. So we, we uh, a long time. And what's neat is some things that Pastor Burke started preaching before I was born, I continue to preach today. Not, not because it's just the gospel, because it's God's heart for this community. Like there are tasks and assignments that have not yet been completed, that the body of Christ has been praying for, working towards, giving, believing, serving, sacrificing, sharing. And we still have many issues we're still combating in the spiritual realm and in the physical realm today that we've always been fighting. Now, we've made huge progress. You, you think about what's happened like since God sent uh, Pastor Wes and the rock down around the corner here to this town. The thousands of people that gather now, not hundreds, the thousands of people. You think about what's been happening, um, certain revivals that have been taking place in churches around us and, and Venture Church down 59 and the river out in Holly. I mean, it used to be like, it was kind of like everybody, there's like little, um, oh, and I don't mean this demeaning at all, but, but there, are, there are good neighborhood churches. Well, these aren't neighborhood churches anymore. These are regional churches. These are churches that are reaching, people are driving 45 minutes. We just had a testimony last week of somebody that drove 45 minutes one way every week because they love the nursery. Like, like there's an influence that goes beyond just this neighborhood when we have EBS with these 12 kids. So um, it's, it's amazing. So when God reveals this stuff, it's, it's shocking, but we're still working on many of these things. So our vision really comes down to three things. It's, we think globally, we have a vision, we have an assignment globally, we have a vision, we have an assignment locally. And we have a, really a, a vision and an assignment from the Lord to really reach out to future leaders and this whole, like, next gen, the whole next generation coming up. One of the things I love about this church, and if you do amen it when I say it, I love walking in on Sunday morning and seeing our altars filled with people that are 25 years old and younger worshiping Jesus. I love that. I think it's a wonderful testimony. I think it says that God is doing something amongst that generation. I'm, I mean, guys, you almost expect, and, and forgive me because I'm, I'm with you now. I have gray hair, what's left, okay? I have gray hair on my back. Welcome to my wife's world, all right? But I'm just, I'm just here to tell you, listen, when I see that, I, I, I sleep differently at night. When these young men stand on this platform, I sleep differently at night knowing someday I'll hand a baton to a generation that's just waiting to run. They, they, it isn't like they need to get us out of the way. They're not quite ready, and we're not quite ready. But when the time comes, we won't be like, okay, who's going to do this? I don't know. I believe this. I believe that. They, they, we've been raising these things since they were puppies. 
And man, they're sled dogs now. They run 30 miles an hour for 12 hours a day. They're incredible young people. And not just the young people that stand on this platform or lead us in worship, but the young people that gather here on Sunday nights that are in the youth group. I spoke to the youth group uh, a few weeks ago, and I said, I look at you differently than I've ever looked at any other youth group, including my own. I was in youth ministry for 10 years. And the reason is this, because when I look in this room, I see the next deacons. I see the next youth pastors. I see the next children's pastors. I see the next senior pastor. Like, I'm not going to be done for a long time. Uh, relatively. So like 15, 20 years. So people that are in this room, like you're going to be, you're going to be ready when I hand you the baton and I fall to the ground. You're going to be ready to pick it up and run because you are that generation that will take over, if you will, that we'll hand the baton to and be proud of. Like just, just run, just keep running. So these are our visions. Today we're going to talk about, about global because I think global is really where we just need to start. How many of you guys know that Jesus sent us to the world? Go and make disciples of what? All nations, everywhere. Now, please don't misunderstand that we're supposed to then put in some sort of a, a mutual fund for all nations where all nations get people, you know, equally and all people get resources equally. We have an assignment within the assignment. Does that make sense? The church has been given the world to go after. Until, until the glory of the Lord covers the earth like the waters cover the sea, we have an assignment. We're on task. But I would also say this, that I think God gives a certain assignment to certain groups and certain people and certain ministries, and if we understand that assignment, we're blessed. So God has done so much. Boy, I, I just, ah, I wish I had another hour. Short-term missions trips, missions in general, has been one of the things that has shaped the vision of this church. Um, how many of you guys have ever been on a missions trip? Can I see your hand? You've been, okay. How many of you guys think maybe 2020 is the year for you to seriously consider going? Let me see your hand. Okay. How many of you guys wouldn't raise your hand no matter what I said? Let me see, because I know where the deacons are. Right. When I went to Haiti for the first time, I was 17 years old. I got saved at a rock concert, didn't have a Bible, wasn't a disciple, but I met Jesus. I was born again. His spirit came into my heart and life changed everything. When, when they said, hey, do you want to go to Haiti? My first question was, I, I thought Haiti was like Hades, and I thought, well, no, that's, that's why I gave my life to Jesus. I don't want to go to Hades. Hey, you want to go to Sheol? What about hell? Spring break. What do you think? 1983. Uh, no. You know. So I said, no, it's, it's, it's a country on the island of Hispaniola in the Caribbean. How many of you guys know when a 17-year-old hears the word Caribbean, things are perking up? They didn't tell me we were going to go in, in July to the Caribbean where it's a bazillion degrees outside. I lost 28 pounds from amoebic dysentery in three weeks. You guys want to lose weight? Drink the water. Not only, not only do you lose weight, you get a hobby. You, you catch up on your reading. And if you've never had dysentery, this won't make sense, but if you have, this is funny what I'm about to say. We called it the Haitian ha-has. <laughs> because after you've gone to the bathroom like 40 times in a day, all you hear coming out of the outhouse is ha-ha-ha. Like always you got the ha-has. Anyway. So this is one of our groups here that, that went and we did some work. That was a brutal trip, man. Um, standing in the back row there is a man by the name of Kilo. He was, he was just executed. He was shot in the back twice and in the head once, one of our drivers. Um, Haiti is really in a bad place right now. Um, since the, the upheaval, the unrest, the departure of the UN, uh, all of our missionaries have come out. The Bradshaws who are from here that moved down there, they, they've had to come out. It's dangerous. Um, they, were, they were mugged, their transportation was stolen, um, people are getting shot and killed for the guns that they carry, it's just, it's just whoever shoots first wins, it's just a, it's not the Wild West, it's, it's actually worse, there's a desperation to it, but as of uh, 
two weeks ago and we sent the last check for 2019, we've been able to get to Haiti and into the mouths of children 880,000 meals. And, and I want to say this to you. Please hear me. That's not like a, uh, a good thing. That's not an initiative. That's not a program. That's an assignment from God to this congregation to care at, at that level. Does that make sense? You've heard me say this, and I mean to belabor it, but I, I have met people every week that just came here. But right over there, I was standing worshiping, and I felt the Lord said, feed a million kids in Haiti. And I said, whoa. Oh. And I, I, I was smart enough to say yes and not dumb enough to say how. I just said, oh, okay. So I came up here and kind of worship was over with. I said, hey, God just told me to feed a million kids, and I told them we would be delighted to do that. And this congregation took up that assignment. Does this make sense? Now, when there's a unity around that assignment, it isn't just, oh, Jim's got this initiative or, you know, hey, the Assemblies of God has a feeding program or, hey, Convoy of Hope is a pet minute. It isn't. Hear me. When we know what God is telling us to do and we do it, we are most blessed. When we attend to what God reveals to us, when we take an assignment and take it not as a weight but as a privilege to be co-missioned with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to feed a nation. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's not, it's not I, I just want to get through this somehow that you understand. It isn't we have financial goals because we're competing with the church down the street to give more to missions this year than ever. It's not that. To us, it's faces. To us, it's, it's people that we know. To us, it's children that we've held in our arms. It's Pastor Samuel's school where we labored to build the cookhouse so they didn't have to be in this thatched roof full of smoke. For us, it's, it's friends. Um, it's it's kids we've held in our arms while they were starving and, and if it hadn't been intervened, dying. And, and we watch them eat their food and light up like a Christmas tree on New Year's Eve. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's personal. Does this make sense? How many of you guys have ever been to Haiti? You know what I'm talking about. You've been there with us. Maybe you're in that picture. It's personal to us. I saw Pat, right? Pat, it's personal to us. It's not, it's not some place, something. It's like we know these people. We know, we know the smell of the place. We know the heat of the place. We know the poverty of the place. We know the skinny dogs in this place. Every third world country has the same dog that runs all over the place. We know the dents in the cars. We know what it feels like to kind of sneak out to the airport at 4 o'clock in the morning in the dark in the back of a truck so you don't get stopped and, you know, bribed and all that kind of stuff. We, this is, these are our family. And Freedom Center Church, hear me. This is the year we finish the Million Meal March. And, I, and I'll say this. What are we going to do next? I don't know. I'm going to look for another assignment, though. Because I, I think the privilege of partnering in, in the joy of serving people in need should be contagious. It should be viral among us. It shouldn't be like all those people that went and had a good time. Hey, selfie with a poor kid. It's not. It's, we come home changed because... God sent us, and God showed up while we were there. Um, Cuba, we have a commitment because we have an assignment to Cuba. Um, this, is, this is an off-site. This is in um, Massanillo, uh, Cuba, and the pastor is in the blue uh, shirt there, a couple doors down. The architect is there. Uh, the, the laborers, there's a handful of us that were there. It's, it's an off-site. There's a much larger church in Bayamo we've been working on for five years. There's a much smaller church. By the way, that's inside the church. That picture, you notice, notice the lighting. That's inside the church. You say, wow, it has a glass roof. Yeah, go believe that. That's wonderful. It's got a, it's got, it, the glass is so clean, it looks like there's nothing there at all. And they worship in that building in the rain, and they worship in the sunshine and the, the brutal heat. 
And, and the reason that we're there is because when I went there with David Spear, our missionary, he had never been to Cuba before, but he was assigned the nation of Cuba to be the building director. He said, would you come with me? I just want to look around. I want to have somebody with me. I said, I'd love to go. And as we stood outside that wall, just on the other side of that wall, there's the street. And we, we just grabbed hands before we left. And when we grabbed hands, that woman started to pray. And, and I don't know if, what you, where you're at or what your experience is. I don't mean to freak you out, but I almost fell down when she started praying. I said, what was that? Well, it could be the tropical heat. I wanted to fall down most of the day, but I, I've known enough of the power of God to experience that as the power of God. When she prayed, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to embarrass myself in the streets of Cuba. How many of you guys know that like, sewers sometimes flow in the streets of Cuba? So let's not fall down, Jim. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I get what you're saying. Please let me stay vertical, you know? I don't know if she's praying. She's praying in Spanish. It all sounds like Greek to me. And when it's over with, I looked at Dave. I said, we're supposed to be here. What can we do to help? And he felt, Bayamo. We've, we've been partnering with these places ever since. Again, these are people we know. There's, a, there's an old man, the architect, who's right next to me there with the glasses and the purse between the pastor and I. Her father is a man we affectionately called abuelo, which is like Spanish for grandfather. Um, he's a colorful soul. And he and his sons have been laboring on this church. He... <laughs> Our interpreter, our translator, Alex, I, I, I asked a question. Abuelo answered it, and when he answered it, I, I learned Spanish in the military from Honduran uh, military people. So I know every colorful expression there is in Spanish. I am more fluent in the French version of Spanish <laughs> than I am in, like, the literal version of Spanish. And so I heard Abuelo say, oh, it's the blankety blank and blank blank. Just tell him the blankety blank, you know? And he walked away, and, and so my translator goes... <laughs> He says, I said, no, I heard every word he just said. And the pastor went, he understood that? She said, Abuelo, you have to stop talking like that. These are men of God from America. I said, you know, I, I was in the army. I, I know all those words. <laughs> but man, what a, what a dear man. He gets clean. He has, he has work clothes, one set, church clothes, one set. He's got his hair combed. He's sitting behind in church. I'm getting ready to preach. I look back at him. He's got this look on his face like, it better be a short sermon, man. You know? And, and the, I'm saying this, these stories to tell you, listen, these aren't numbers and these aren't pictures in a book. These are friends of ours who are struggling in a nation where it's illegal to tell people about Jesus. And many of them have been to prison. Many of them have had their homes bulldozed. But God has sent a great revival to Cuba. We have purchased, uh, this is going to be replayed, so let me just, uh, we have helped the indigenous people groups secure um, areas. Are you getting what I'm saying? And, and, and we have been uh, instrumental in bringing islands of the kingdom of God to places that didn't have it. That church has planted seven other churches in its area. And, and we're, we're a part of that. You're a part of that. Um, I, let me show you this one. This is really exciting to me. This is a drawing of the first ever owned uh, church, Protestant church building that the Assemblies of God has ever been a part of in the city of Rome. 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul went to that city to preach the gospel. Two months ago, we went to the same city to preach the same gospel. In a, in a church that has, help me out somebody, 78 different nations? 78 different nations all under the same roof worshiping. We, we drew that. You can tell there's handwriting. See the coffee shop, men's room, women's room? Like, it's a parking garage right now, but we drew that out. That took a week to get to that place where everything's measured and, and stuff. They said, could you come back and turn a parking garage into the first 
Protestant church building in the city of Rome that, that our movement has ever owned. And, and when it's done, would you come back in the fall, as you always do, and bring young people so we can hook up the technology and the LED screen and the, like, this is going to be a church center like Europe rarely sees anywhere. Like a couple of Hillsong churches here and there, but for the most part, this facility will be an anomaly, an enigma, and, and that city's right on a main thoroughfare next to public transportation. And, and again, let me just use the word assignment. I was telling my wife this morning, I, this morning as I was praying over the service, I felt like the word assignment come coming back. This is not an initiative. This is not a, um, a push. This is not a, um, you know, something. It's, it's an assignment. When we realize what God has sent us to globally and we attend to that, we are most blessed. Everybody is invited to these things. Everybody should be a part of them on some of Whether you're praying, whether, you, whether you're pushing for it, whether you're sending people financially, whether you're going yourself, but everybody, listen to me, I believe that we will be most blessed if we unify around what God is telling us to do, our assignment in the world. Somebody say Amen. One of the things we've noticed as we obeyed God to go is, is that short-term mission trips can do more good in your life in a week than five years of just staying in Fenton. I don't know why that is, but that's true. We've seen people go like, you know, no, I'm not a Christian, but it sounded like a good time. You know, spring break, you know, 1983, let's go to Haiti and get diarrhea. It sounded like, you know what I mean? But I'm, I'm telling you, one of the reasons that I'm passionate about missions is something I experienced on a three-week trip to Haiti in 1983 by a show of hands. How many guys weren't even here in 1983? Like, you weren't born in 1983. Really, Mike? What year were you born in? You could be my son. I mean, not literally. I'm saying, that's weird because I think we're the same age. Why is it, is there such a thing as a two-thirds life crisis versus just a midlife crisis? <laughs> this guy, Jesus told us to go. That's why it's blessed. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples, disciplined followers. People call out of darkness into light, followers of Jesus from all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely Jesus says, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. How many of you guys want to know where Jesus is? Find someone that needs Jesus, and he's there. How many of you know where, where Jesus is? I, you know, which conference should I go to to meet Jesus? You can find Jesus at a conference. But let me tell you something. You might be better off finding him in an orphanage in Guatemala. You might be better off finding him in a feeding program in Haiti. You might be better off finding him in a, in a bar on Friday night because I believe the heart of God is with the broken, the lost, the hungry, the naked. Those that have the greatest need for God have the greatest presence of God around them. And we should say, right, well, what's the best church? Who has the best music? <laughs> Last night I got my hair cut. All eight of them were cut simultaneously. It doesn't take long at all. Like, you charged me 22 bucks? That took like three minutes. And, and two and a half it was conversation. Vern, vern, 22 bucks. I thought I should be a barber. But this lady, she's talking about her best friend and how are the holidays. And, you know, I met her because I, when I was a pastor's, a preacher's assistant, she called it. I, thought, I said, oh, where, where do you go to, where, was the, where are your preacher's assistant? She told me, I said, oh, that's wonderful. She goes, do you go to church? I said, I do. She's going to invite me in church. I thought I should tell her. She said, where do you go? I said, the Freedom Center. She goes, I love their music. I said, really, I do too. She goes, yeah, the rest of it's okay. But I love their music. <laughs> so what do you do for a living? I said, I'm an author. <laughs> Look at this, guys. In 2020, we're going to be going to Cuba, Guatemala, Detroit, China, Canada, Ireland, Italy, Africa, Slovenia, and we're not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on, on top of that, we've got, uh, oh, I'm supposed to hit a button, something's supposed to happen. 
There it goes. Over 50 missionaries. Missions meeting is Tuesday night. We'll probably pick up another two or three. We're going to be towards the mid-50s of missionaries that we support on a monthly basis. We have a vision for what God's doing globally. Somebody say amen. Not, please hear me. If, if you misunderstand what I'm saying, you'll feel like I'm trying to talk you into something. I'm trying to get you to, to go on a trip. None of that's true. What I'm simply trying to do is this. Would you pray and would you ask God, what is my role in the assignment? I think some of you are supposed to go. I think some of you are supposed to pray. I think some of you are supposed to give. I think some of you are supposed to send. I think some of you are, are supposed to have different roles in this. But I, it's funny, the people that, that help us put together the, the graphic arts so we can show you the picture of the child with, with the bowl or the video person that does that or the logistics person that does all the paperwork to go to a foreign country or the insurance company that insures us in case there's trouble and we have to be you know, evacuated. That happened to me one time with uh, a jaw infection. I woke you up, didn't it? There you go, I really wake up, you know? John Fiction, it felt like that was throbbing, you know, illustration. Um, I, everybody plays a role in this. This is the one thing I would say. It's, I almost use the word inappropriate. It's, you're missing something vital in your walk. If every sermon you listen to is for you, if every song you listen to is for you, every place you go is for you, everything you do is for you. The day that you get to step out of you being more important than the people around you is a really wonderful day. Missions and our global vision, and by the way, when I say global vision, I don't just mean getting on a plane. There's a global ministry happening in Flint, in Detroit. Our youth are going to Canada. Um, there's a center of hope is at the end of the driveway. That is part of a global vision to feed people, help people, clothe people. Clara's hope. Is at, is at the end of the driveway. People that are helping um, people through adoption and foster care and training people. Um, we had one of our young ladies did something in October called Socktober for, for raising socks for kids. She was like, I don't know, eight at the time or 18. It doesn't, I can't tell. I'm old. I told you, you know, just a kid. And Socktober and a thousand pairs of socks comes in. Like we all play a role. And you'll never hear me. The two greatest moments outside of salvation, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, just those sovereign things that God does in your life is when you get to be Jesus, if you will. I don't mean that like as heresy. When you, when you get to say what Jesus would have said standing here, when you get to give what Jesus would have given standing here, when you get to help the way Jesus would have helped standing here, when you get to forgive people that don't deserve it like you've been forgiven. Like these are the moments where we really tap into something that it, it just... It's powerful, and I want that for you, and I want that for us. Would you stand your feet? Nobody leave, please. What are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? There's no altar call today. Um, come forward to the altar and put your name on a list so we can call you in this trip. No, but, but if you want to know about these trips, the Connect Center, Sister Babe, is that right? They'd know some information, what is to be known. Like some of these trips are for different groups of people. Like, oh, I want to go to Ireland. Like there's a group of people going to Ireland. We're for Cuba in three three weeks, four weeks, or something like that, the team will be going to Cuba. So, but how many of you guys know if you're not going, you can still go with prayer? You can still send. You can still bless. You can, I mean, and those of you that said no construction, you need to go on these trips. We, we need brains. We got brawn. We need brains. Pat writing, am I right? We need, we need, I mean, you're both, but, but we, need, we need someone that goes, this is how you build a column. Uh, what I see, Matt? We need, we need people 
I would just love to see Haitian people see you walk in the room, Matt. I, they've never seen. Is, is there a solar eclipse? Oh, no, it's just Waylon walking in the room, you know? Um, but people that know what they're doing, we need you to go. And we need you to send. And we need you to pray. And we need you to serve. We need you to cook. We need you to figure it out. So get involved. You can watch football or you can play football. Who's having more fun? You know? You, you can watch somebody build a house or you can grab a hammer. Who's having more fun? You, you can watch somebody feed a child on a video or you can hand the kid the bowl of food. And then in your heart, multiply it by a million. One of the greatest things God's ever done for me is hurt me with the pain of the world. It's a superpower. When I'm in Haiti, I mean, unless I am dead dog sick, I am superhuman because I've lived all year to get here for this week and I'm not going to miss a moment of it. Italy, same thing. We worked around the clock in Italy. It just, I'm not sure that I'm not a missionary. I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. I know this is my assignment, but I'm not sure that I'm not a missionary in my heart somewhere. I think God said, really want to change the world? Let me send you to Fenton, Michigan, and together you guys can change the world. Because I fed a lot more kids as your pastor than I ever could have as a missionary to Haiti. Does this make sense? So let's go. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for your people that a heart that is open to go, a heart that is open to pain, a heart that is open to seeing fields that are white and, and people that are ready. The only thing that's lacking is people that have gone laborers that have gone out into a field to actually take advantage of the circumstances, God. We, we have friends that are ministering to the Zidis, to the Kurds. We, we have people in Iraq right now. We have people in Egypt right now. We have people all over the world right now. God, would you protect and bless our missionaries everywhere? And would you send us to in any way we can go, God, to partner with them? I, I have no doubt in my mind there are people in this room right now, just like there have been every time I've prayed this, they're supposed to go. They're supposed to go and stay. Father, I pray that you would put a going heart in this church, a ascending heart in this church, a generous heart in this church, God, a faith-filled, praying heart in this church. We see that you have given us certain portions of the nations. We see an assignment. It's not just a trip. It's not an initiative. It's not a promotion. It's an assignment. It's a co-mission from God. And we pray for the world that we have been called, that we would go, that we would not miss our moments, that we would not miss our trips, that we would not miss our callings and our anointings and our, our brokenness, God. I thank you for the groups about to go to Cuba in a few weeks. I thank you for the group that's on their way to Slovenia. I thank you for our, our young people going to Canada, our FCMA going to Ireland. I, I thank you, God, that you're putting places and faces on people's hearts and you'll fill those trips, God. Guatemala to work with children, the families, men, women, and their children going to Guatemala to serve. What a beautiful gift to give a child. A day in a garbage dump with poor children. Something that will haunt them. Every time they pray over their food and they close their eyes to pray over their food that they're going to eat half of and throw the other half away, they'll see those faces. That's a great gift to give a child. It's not abuse. Um, I think it's abuse not to. I think it's neglect not to expose our children to the rest of the world. So God, open the doors. Make our hearts so committed we'd sacrifice to be there, to send people there, to pray for the people that live there. In Jesus' name, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I just simply say this in closing. God is a, a missionary. His son, Jesus, is a cross-cultural missionary sent from a kingdom that knew no sin. The streets are paved <laughs> with what we call precious. 
He walked the dirty streets of this earth. He faced everything that faces us. He defeated everything that's defeated us. And then he died as someone who paid a price that I couldn't pay for the things that I'd done. He paid for me, my soul, my sin, my past, and my present, and my future. As a father would adopt a child that's, that's unworthy of the name now given, so the King of kings and the Lord of lords has adopted those who have trusted him. When he extended his hand, they reached back and they said yes, instead of pulling away, saying, I'm unworthy. If you're here today and you haven't reached back, and let him take your hand and call you his son, call you his daughter, then I want you to know something. It's not because of our performance that we become worthy of heaven. It's because of what he has done for us and our ability to trust who he is and what he's done to be sufficient, to be enough, to be more than enough. But he loves us. It isn't a religious duty. It's not paying taxes. It's the thought of, of forever without you being there broke the heart of God. And so we did the unthinkable and sent Jesus to die in my place and in yours. Now all that's left is simply saying thank you and with hearts of gratitude reaching back and saying, I'll, I accept, I accept that. I, I like, yes, I want to be your daughter. I want to be. I receive the adoption as a son, a loved son. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You're here today and you're like, Jim, I, I'm not there. I, I don't know God that way. I know Jesus like I know George Washington. I've heard about him. I know about the cherry tree and the first president and wooden teeth. I, I know about the cross. I know about, you know, the beard and the, the, the white tunic with the blue sash and the little children and sheep. And so I, I've seen the pictures, but I don't know him. I am here to tell you today, you can know that you know Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know that you know, and I pray that God would send you a revelation today. He said, you know, I'm not right with God, but I, I want this. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in an atmosphere that's private. It's for you. It's for God. It's not for me. It's not for the people around you. It really is a, a solemn, beautiful, sacred moment. And if you're here today and you're like, I, I want this. I want this Jesus in my life today. Then I'm going to simply ask you to raise your hand all over this room right now. I want to be right with God. I want to give my life to God today. I love that. Thank you. I love that. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. I love that. That will never get old. Pray this with me all over this room right now. Let me just lead you very simply. 30 seconds, the service will be over with. It'll be dismissed. But the most important thing that many of us will ever see, ever do, ever be a part of, we're about to be a part of right now. There are people in this room that have raised their hands humbly before a holy God and said, I want in. I say yes today. And I want us to create an atmosphere around them that they don't feel in some way singled out or shamed, but rather joined by brothers and sisters that have prayed this prayer and know this God and are proud to be a part of this with them now. Say this with me all over this room right now, whether you're praying this for the very first time, you're rededicating your life to Christ, or, or maybe you, you know, you've, you've been dedicated to Christ your whole life. You just want to make sure the person next to you doesn't feel awkward and singled out. Say this with me right now. Jesus, today I'm coming home. <laughs> you're my home. You're my family. Today, I give you me, just as you have given you to me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take away my sins. Give me a clean slate, fresh start, new beginning, born again. I belong to you, and you belong to me. Thank you. 
I'll see you soon. Amen. Amen. Altar workers are making their way forward.